0: Welcome to the Inkfeather podcast, which explores the worlds of sci-fi and fantasy books through those who bring them to life. Every week, we chat with authors and industry pros about their books, including new releases and old favorites. I'm Lauren, and this is episode 53, where I chat with bestselling author Sarah Beth Durst. So Sarah Beth Durst's most recent book, The Bone Maker, came out on March 9th, and I had the chance to sit down and interview her about this book. I have been a fan of Sarah's for a while. She's written a lot of amazing stories, and um, I was eager to interview her, and I have to say she is one of the, like, happiest writers I've ever met. Um, usually writers, when they talk with me, and are are happy, but there's also, like, the angst of writing and the birthing of a project, and you know the the challenge of creativity and it's not that sarah isn't facing those challenges or dismisses them but she just seems to just love what she does and is super happy about it and so it just made for such a friendly and delightful interview like seriously if you are writing if you are wanting to write this is a perfect interview to listen to because she just makes you feel like you can do it. You know, you just listen to her and you're like, "Oh, this sounds like fun. Like I I want to try that." Like that's the energy I got from talking with her. She's she was seriously a delight. So, this book was really great. Um I wanted to talk to her about it because it is about middle-aged heroes having to revisit the challenges from their glory days, so to speak, and like you know, she said that the, the idea behind it was what happens after the happily ever after? Like what happens to these characters? And that was what she wanted to explore. And so it was really interesting, you know, as someone who is not 18. Again, if you're listening and you're 18, awesome. I there's nothing wrong with being 18 or 28 or 38. I am none of those things. <laughs> and so it was cool to read about characters that you know, like, oh, my back, (laughs) like, it just made me laugh. I mean, it's not that dramatic. But you know, it it really was just fun to see these people who they did the hard work, they beat the bad guy, they won the battle. And now they think in theory, they should be living out the rest of their lives. Now each of them have trauma in different ways. And you know, because of that initial battle. But yeah, so we revisit them, I think it's 25 years later and stuff is hitting the fan again and they have to reexamine it. So it was such an interesting concept and a really cool uh premise. So the magic system's great, the ideas were great and I just love talking to her about this book. So yeah, if if you're a fan of Sarah's work, you should definitely check this book out. If you are not familiar with Sarah's books and you like fantasy, I would highly recommend her uh, Renthia books. The first one is The Queen of Blood, and uh, she wrote... A trilogy and then she wrote like I think two standalones that go with it are set in the same world something like that but they're really great and she's just such an imaginative writer and writes such great fantasy worlds and so that is one that has great accolades behind it but she's written like 20 something books like she's written a ton she's a couple books coming out this year she's got middle grade she's got young adult she's got adult so across the board her concepts are interesting and novel and creative and just really fun. So there's a lot to be explored with her as a writer. So yeah, I am really glad that I got to talk to her about this book specifically, because like I said, the premise was just really fun for me. And it was really fun to be able to, you know, dig deeper into why she wrote this book and how she came up with the, the concept. So yeah, so I'm excited that you guys are gonna be listening to it. Before we jump into the interview, I just want to remind everybody about our shops. We have a couple shops uh, that are the Ink Feather shops. If you go to Etsy and look up Ink Feather shop, I have a ton of cool author swag. I have uh, fantasy calendars that I made where I had fantasy authors dress up in costumes and let me take their photos because I'm a photographer by trade, I guess. Um, And it was really fun and I did a Kickstarter for both of them and so I had to offer rewards for Kickstarter and so the leftover swag that didn't get, you know, sold or like bid in the Kickstarters, I was able to sell on Etsy and so I have like signed book plates and signed prints. And these are all bestselling authors. They're all New York Times bestsellers. So it's really fun to <laughs> check it out and be like, oh, I know all of these people. So if you're a fantasy fan, there's adult fantasy. There is young adult fantasy, people who've written even children's books. So um, it's really great. And we're talking like anywhere from like Robin Hobb, Jim Butcher, Patrick Rothfuss, to Christopher Paolini, to like Margaret Stoll, Cami Garcia, Lee Bardugo, Holly Black, Cassandra Clare. Like there's big names, big people, big awesome, you know, people in the industry. And they were really kind to be part of this project with me. And so I have some of the leftover stuff that I can now pass on to you guys. So go check that out. Like I said, that's an Etsy. um, And that is the Ink Feather Shop. And I also have a uh, fun project that is still not in my Etsy shop. I'm like so behind. Um, But it's on my website, which is the Ink Feather Collective. And it is a coloring book that I did. And I commissioned 20 international artists to illustrate my fantasy photography. All of these artists, for the most part, I think most if not all of them, uh, have done work for the book community. So they're either doing covers or they're doing like products that go in book boxes. So if you are into any of the art and the artists who make those book boxes, this is just like one big party of all those, all your favorite artists. So it was a really fun project. And it was so delightful because I put basically like my favorite 100 photos into a gallery and I let them choose. And so all of the art is stuff that they connected with. And then they they took the photo and they made their interpretation of it. So some of it is literal. Some of it is, um, um, more creative interpretation which I love uh yeah so it's a re- it's a really fun project so uh and I have that coloring book on like I said it's on the Ink Feather Collective I have digital versions if you don't want to deal with shipping I also have it in a pro- postcard form which is really fun like you can either color it and send it or send it blank and the person receiving it can color it I thought that was a nice idea for <laughs> pandemic times and I've actually been in really enjoying coloring the uh the postcards myself they're just like cute and I don't know they just are fun to color so so yeah check those out they are on my website shop and then like I said the author stuff is on my Etsy shop and I need to just combine it all in one place but you know don't need so many hours in a day (laughs) so I haven't gotten there yet so anyways okay now on to the interview with Sarah I hope you enjoy Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Inkfeather podcast. Thanks so much for having me here, Lauren. I'm very excited to chat with you today. I'm excited too. I am a fan. And I, uh, when I saw you had a standalone book fantasy novel coming out in March with like middle-aged characters, I was like, this is speaking to me. I need to, I need to read this book and I need to talk (laughs) to her about this book because I am not an 18-year-old fantasy lover and there's nothing wrong with being an 18-year-old fantasy lover. But I you know it's nice to read characters who aren't babies sometimes you know what I mean
1: right yeah I really wanted to write about older characters having an adventure
0: and it's been a delight to read so the book we're talking about is The Bone Maker it's out March 9th
1: which is so soon yay so happy
0: (laughs) it is so soon before we actually keep going, I just want to make a note that my African grey parrot is having a field day in the background. I have her in a place that she can be entertained, but apparently she feels like screaming and whistling. So there is ambiance. <laughs> Sarah's amused. She's cool with it, so I'm cool with it. So listeners. You know, you often hear my budgies in the intro because I'm too lazy to put them in the other room while Tondi is them times a million. So you're going to get random noises in the background. So i <laughs> a very professional podcast here, but, you know, I am a so bird. I feel like
1: I should bring my cat by and have her like
0: meow into hey, the you know what? Do it. I, I'm all about it. So, yeah, no, you're saying March 9th is, you know, we're recording a couple weeks out, like a week out, but it's like really, really soon. And yeah, it's... It's this book is like so fun. I've been I've been just like devouring it because it's just been such a fun adventure. Like you said, like people who aren't young, like going on quests. So it's like a second revisiting, too. So before we get into any super details, what is kind of the the elevator pitch or like the, the blurb you give of this book?
1: It's about second chances and a lot of bone magic. It's heroes after. They've won the great war, defeated the vast evil. What happens 25 years later when they're called to save the world again and they are not the same heroes they once were? Not by far.
0: Yeah, it's really fun, too, because one of the things I'm enjoying the most about this book is even though we as readers don't know their story and the the world, Because it's already established in them as characters and we're getting fed it, you know, in bits and pieces as they go. It's so natural for them to be like, yeah, I remember that one time with the mountain lion and that was crazy. And like, you know, like (laughs) these adventures and these experiences and like it feels comfortable and familiar. Like I, I remember actually I wasn't that far into the book. And I remember feeling like I'm very impressed with how you wrote them, that they felt like seasoned characters, even though I had never read them before. You had written them that way, which is obviously, like you said, they've got a lot of life behind them. And so it's really fun to kind of, you know, step back into the world with them. And I guess take us through the the creation of this story, like the I don't want to say where you got your idea necessarily, but it is you said there's bone magic. And like, why did you want to explore second chances and second adventures and people who've done this already.
1: I've read tons of epic fantasies. I've devoured them since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And I've always kind of worried about what happens after they ride off at, into the sunset. Mm-hmm. What what happens later? Stories, lives don't just end. You know, you say the end at the end of the story, but what's next? What happens to them after? So that's always been kind of in my back of my mind. I wanted to write about the after Are there stories out there beyond the ones where you're chosen to save the world? Mm -hmm. What happens later? I also really wanted to write about a character who had a lot of pockets. (laughs) It's funny how ideas kind of stick together. I had this little note jotted down that I wanted a protagonist with a lot of pockets because I was really annoyed at how I do not have pockets that are (laughs) deep enough for my phone. (laughs) So I had this image for the character of this long coat with tons of pockets, and I wrote this that first sentence. I'm going to read you the first sentence. Krea always wore her coat with many pockets when she went out to steal bones. That's where it started with that character was she had many pockets, and I my brain asked myself, so what is in those pockets? Mm. And my brain said bones, and that's where the two ideas collided. Yeah. Is this woman with bones in her pocket. <laughs> With this story of older heroes having a second chance. And that's where it came from.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, and that's so funny that of all the things she could have had in her pockets, it was it was magical bones, basically. Yeah,
1: my brain's a little weird, I think. I mean, you're a fantasy <laughs> author
0: with quite a few books under your belt. So I think your brain is just wired for adventure and that creativity level, too. I mean, that it doesn't surprise me. yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So take us through the bone magic. I, it's such an interesting, w- the way you created it, because, you know, some of your books are more like world building heavy with magic. And some of them, this is, I would say, a more character heavy, heavy book, obviously, mm-hmm. like these, you know, this group of people kind of coming back together and having to do a thing again. And but there's elements to the world, too. And, you know, a big part of it is the bone magic and and the different ways it can be manifested. And correct me if I'm wrong, but at least for some of it, it looks like it's taught. It's not in like a genetic inheritance. Yes. Which I thought was really cool.
1: <laughs> I really, I like the idea that anyone can learn magic if they're devoted enough and dedicated enough and they work hard enough. I've I've always enjoyed, okay, <laughs> basically because I would like magic. Of course. And clearly. it's nice to think that, you know, if I don't get my letter to Hogwarts, that if I train hard enough, I could wield the whatever magic thing. Um, so I, I enjoy that kind of system of magic the kind that's earned where you dedicate yourself to the study of it and it's a choice every time you do world building it's all about making choices and you make a choice early on of you know what kind of magic it's gonna be, and then you chase down all the consequences, and that's where the world comes from. It's built on the questions you ask that arise from the concept that you've decided on at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So the idea with bone magic, you no, know, I knew she had those bones in her pocket. I pictured them carved, and I knew they were obviously magic and she just wasn't, you know, carrying around old chickamos to chew on later. <laughs> I knew that they were gonna be magic. So I had to decide, what does that mean? What can you do with this sort of bone magic, what are the different aspects? And I came up with three different kinds of it, the bone makers, who use the bones to animate inanimate objects, bone wizards who take aspects of the creature that the bone came from, like speed or strength, and imbue the bone with that power so that when you activate it, you get that power, you get the strength, you get the, the speed, the stealth, whatever. And the third kind is bone reading, which is based on the, 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 the folklore of, of tossing bones and foretelling the future. So those were the three kinds I decided. And I can't remember if I decided before I started writing or after. Usually, usually I start brainstorming the world and I come up with an idea and then I start writing it. And if I think of something better, I change it and I go back and then I revisit my rules of magic and in between drafts, we'll try to nail them down.
0: It's interesting because it's a very creative process, but I I love that you're like, once you know, going in, you have, I don't want to say an outline, but like almost like an idea outline or like a rules outline. And now you're like, okay, how can we still make this all blend together?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I I actually label the document rules of magic. <laughs> mm. And the goal is to try to make them as organic and interconnected to each other and as straightforward as possible. Because when you're writing a fantasy book, you're really making a deal with the reader that you are going to cast this spell and fulfill the promises you make in the beginning of how this world works. So I always do one draft that is a purely technical making sure that I have dropped the information where the reader needs it so that the world feel, feels as true as it is. I mean the, the worlds we make when we're writing they're not real but they need to be true in order for the book to work.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, I'm just I'm just sitting here thinking like cuz one of the questions I had for you is you know it's it's not I get all types of authors on this podcast, um, which is wonderful. And I love that. And I get debuts to people who have, like you, like 20 books under their belt. And it's interesting to hear about process and and writing and like what everyone's individual journey is. And I just find that fascinating as someone who you've written a lot of standalones for fantasy, I would say. Most you think of fantasy and you're just like epic, multiple, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you have that, but you also have, I think, a surprising lot of standalones for fantasy. And and I'm just like, wow, like how much work goes into world building and all this creation. And you're able to like put it into one story and have it be this wonderful thing. And then you can like let it be out in the world and move on and do it again in a different way. And I just think that's really cool. It's so much fun. When I was a kid, I used to get all the
1: scrap paper in my house and tape it together and draw these huge fantasy worlds. So I like to think my 10 year old self would be really happy with what I do on a day to day basis now.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, isn't that? I mean, I think that's why we all, the people who read fantasy, love fantasy is it's that it's just an adult imagination version of being a kid. You know what I mean?
1: And I love, I love world building. I love creating a world. I love the challenge of creating a world in a standalone novel that has the richness of its own history and folklore and past. I love developing that, that past for it. So it feels like a world that has been existing for centuries it's really fun.
0: I mean, I just, I don't know, I guess the, the the person in me is like, but don't, but you did all that work. Don't you want to like write another one and keep going? I mean, again, you have, you have series. It's just, I, I just, I don't know all that work. And it's so cool. And like, yeah, this is great. It's like next, you know, but Then I get to do it again. I, guess. <laughs> I mean, Hey, we're not complaining. Cause it's like, I was actually looking at your <laughs> backlog of all your books and I was like, Holy crap. I even put here, what did I say to my note to myself? I'm like, how are they like they all feel different? They're all unique, like and very unlike each other. and And I'm just like, man, your brain must be awesome. <laughs> like <it's laughs> a funny thing to say, but like seriously, like creatively, I'm just uh, you know, it's because I think all readers have have thought of writing or have tried writing or are writing. And so you know, I'm a photographer, so i'm I'm a visual artist, and I love what I do, but I also you know, I read. Prolifically, And I obviously interview authors and I'm always like, you know, thinking like, I don't know how they do that. Like how it's just, just especially when you're like writing prolifically, like you have like at least one book a year since you've started multiple books, right?
1: Multiple books. Yeah. yeah. Bone Maker is coming out March 9th. And then I have my next book for kids, which is called Even an Odd that's coming out in June. And I do it because I, I love it. I genuinely love it. <laughs> I am happiest when I am writing every day. It makes the world feel balanced. It makes me feel like who I am. I, it's how I, it just makes me happy. I really love writing. I love creating worlds. I love spending time with these characters that I know rationally don't exist, but become these friends of my heart that I get to hang out with and make snarky and <laughs> have and go on these adventures with that I would certainly never survive myself because I have zero survival instincts and will last about five minutes in any world that I've ever created.
0: It's still pretty cool. Like you have, you know, the, for the uh, the first like third of the book, we have mainly like the two, two of the five. There's like the the group of them who all worked together 25 years ago where there was five of them. Right. And so there's two of them basically and you have this kind of in the in the in the description so i don't think we're giving anything away but basically she's, our main character wants to bring her husband back with bone magic and it's illegal to do that but she's found the way and she ends up needing help to do this. And so she's like bringing her friend in and they're on this crazy adventure. And it's funny because they're like, "Yeah, remember the thing. Yeah. The three whistles got it. Like they're, you know, it's, it still comes back to them. And, you know, they're still able to be like, Hey, you know, pass me the bone for running. And they like, you can see their, their sink is still there, even though it's been two decades that they've actually done this. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Yeah. I really wanted to create people that felt like they had a history with each other. I'm sometimes asked when I create characters, are they based on myself? Are they based on people I know? Mm. And they're not ever because I need to see them as a real person. I need to pretty basically fall in love with my characters. Now I don't need them to be likable. I just need to like want to spend time with Mm -hmm. them and to make them as real to me as I possibly can, which for me involves building up their history whether I end up showing it or not. And to try to get that feel of the rhythm of their conversations, of the, their yeah. memories of their, you know, experience.
0: Yeah. It's really cool to like, I think even at one point, uh, they're saying something like, you know, we're not friends, we're family, even though it's like, it's been a, you know, there, there, there's been trauma. Like basically mm-hmm. the problem is they haven't really seen each other in, in 25 years. All of them have been gone their separate ways. And now they're having to come back together to deal with this thing that is unexpected. And they're going, okay, what, you know, and but like you said, they are very changed. They are not the same people they were 25 years ago, but yet there is this underlying family. Like they are, you still are yeah. important to each other, even if you've hurt each other, even if time has passed, you still, you still, it's still there, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. I love the idea of found family. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's really obviously relevant in this story, but I'm just, I'm just I am just don't know, my brain is just sort of thinking about like the, the way they're, they're feeling and like, because you jump between the heads of the characters too. And so it's kind of, you know, how they're emotionally getting reacquainted with each other, which is really mm-hmm. kind of fun to see as well. Also back to the bone magic too. I really love how you kind of made it like mechanical, like the magic becomes mechanical. Like you have like, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to like, as I was reading, like, place the feel of this book, and I was like, What's well, not like, you know, like, because when you think fantasy, there's like common world tropes. I'm like, It's not steampunk, but it has these things that feel steampunk, but it's not a steampunk world, but it's not a like dark ages kind of fantasy, and it's but it's not like modern, like urban fantasy, and it's just sort of like a world that has things that seem mechanical and almost modern by our standards, but they're run on bone magic, which is really cool. Like, you have cable cars, and you have like I don't even know the the, the crawler is like uh, it reminds me of that thing from Wild Wild West but like on a smaller version have you seen that movie? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was like this is awesome it's basically like a giant spider with a person seat on top that like crawls up the mountains I was like that would be so awesome to have like but I love that like like you said, the way it works, it's, it's, yeah, it's metal mechanical legs, but it's like, okay, I've got three bones underneath. And one of them is like a mountain goat, which lets us have the sure footedness it is to scale the mountain. And if I stuck like a bird bone in here, it wouldn't work the same way. Like it, that mm-hmm. the magic is connected and it's, it's very clever.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I had a lot of, a lot of fun developing it. I write oh, by what I call the rule of awesome. <laughs> so I, I <laughs> set up it. a groundwork. Yeah. And what's going on and then i ask myself for every single scene what is the most awesome thing i can think of that could happen next oh and that's what i try to write
0: see <laughs> you are you are the, the way i think writers this sounds like so much writing is like angst and i'm not saying it's always perfect but this sounds delightful i think if everyone could write like you it'd be happy you know
1: i, I write with from a place of joy even when i'm you know killing off my characters
0: <laughs> yeah. I, just, I do it with love. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it makes for good storytelling. And but no, that's that's a really great way to think about it. Like, what is <laughs> the most awesome thing that can happen in this scene? Oh, OK. Like, and like, I love that you even allow your brain to expand that beyond what you initially thought, like, oh, something even crazier could happen. OK, let's yes. try that.
1: <laughs> that's exactly what I do. I mean, I do outline before I start writing, but I give myself permission to discover things in the story, like the ragdoll constructs. So Kriya has these, as as you read, she's got these super creepy Mm -hmm. ragdolls that she's animated with bones to help her around the tower. And they just kind of crawled onto the scene with their creepy button eyes. And I was like, you, you may stay.
0: Yeah, and they like freak others out, but meanwhile then she like my babies and like like right? swarm <laughs> to her and then she's like go 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 bite some ankles and they're like okay and they like run away and then they come back and, like I actually she'll have those discoveries when you're writing like where did you come from? I don't know, but welcome to my story. <laughs> I mean, I always love I always love weird little, like, animated friend. Like, you have a little, like, bird skeleton friend. Obviously, I'm a bird nerd. But, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, he's so cute. And he, she's like, oh, you're you're here. And he, like, got the little weather vane at the beginning and, like, helped her. Like, he just, like, hangs out. He's, like, her little friend. And I was like, this is really cute. And even, like, you have one that it's magic slowly running out. So it's a cleaning one that just <laughs> cleaned the same step for, like, years. But every time anyone passes it, it looks up and like, am I doing a good job? And she's like, good job. And it's like, yeah, I did a good job. And it makes like a cute noise. Like everybody says, good job to this thing. And I was <laughs> like, why is this so cute? It's so stupid cute. It's like a weird little spider bone robot thing that is cleaning her steps and yet it's like really cute. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Yeah, I love the the weird, creepy uh, details that you use to build up a world. I mean, yeah. that's for, for me, that's what makes a world come to life is those Little random details, the little bits of beauty, the little bits of weirdness, the little quirks that make it live. And finding those details is what I think writing is all about. What the whole revision process is, is honing in on what what exactly detail will make it clear what the nature of this world is, what the nature of the story is, and what's going to be fun.
0: Do you think of this book as, like, world-building over character building, or like, because I think of it like I said, as more of a character-driven. Even though there's strong world building in place, it's more mainly it's about the the five of them. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I just think it's so woven together. I mean, yeah. they wouldn't exist without the world, and the world would have kind of fallen apart without them. That uh,
0: literally is true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. The the world has to be as rich as it is to have informed who these characters are. But you're, you're absolutely right. It's the characters that drive the story. And I think that's, that's how it should be. And you can have an amazing world, an amazing story concept. But if you don't have characters to travel through it, I mean, characters are the vessel by which we experience story. So you have to have characters that the reader and first the writer cares about. You know, they have to like they don't have to like them. They don't have to be like good, heroic, noble, whatever, but they have to be interesting. They have to be someone you want to spend time with.
0: Wow, and that must have been I'm just thinking as like a writer who so you have like these intrinsic key elements to a person, right? But mm-hmm. then let's move them twenty-five years post trauma forward. Yeah. And then That's who exactly are they now? They Literally like, okay, so at their core are they're either clever, or they're snarky, or they're brave, or they're, you know, shy, or whatever, I don't know, whatever trait you would give a person, and then, you know, throw like horrific trauma into the mix, and then like have it level, it's not just like experiences, but you know, one of the main traumas is like what happens in the af- the immediate after, and mm-hmm. then and now we're dealing with that is even still coming up now, 25 years later. And like, who are these people? And like, that must have been so, but it's like, are they still in there or are they not in there? And like, how do you balance all that? Because it's still them, but it's not the same them that is remembered, you know?
1: Yeah, it's it's a, a layering process. I mean, where I usually start with a character, it's not just what does she have in her pockets? It's... <laughs> what does this character most want in the entire world? And what are they most afraid of? Once I can identify those two things for every character that I'm writing, hmm. that centers their personality around a core. Um, and then it's a matter of layering after that. But I, anytime I get lost in the character's voice, I always come back to that want or fear, because that's what's going to drive them through every scene. So even with 25 years of of experience beyond their traumatic event, they're still who they are at the core. Mm -hmm. It's just how that has been pushed and pulled and and put through this, this cauldron to be who they are today.
0: Did you, find this challenge of writing older characters to be like a, a, a does it feel unique and in, in fresh in a way because of someone who's written so many books like it like you said it's something like you've never really explored that before especially because they were like the heroes too it's not just people these were like the people who saved the people and now it's 25 <laughs> years later so it's like that's part of it too is like the weight of that expectation on them too you know right
1: exactly they have the the world's view of them that they're very aware of mm-hmm. as well as their own view of themselves and to match that up with their reality. And there's, there's that, that they're fighting with, who, who gets to tell their story? What is their story now? they they all go into this thinking their story is over, yeah. but it's not. It was really fun to write. I love that I got to write older characters and this, this, I felt like the, I really felt like their story wanted to be told. Yeah. You know.
0: It's great. One of my best friends is 50. She just turned 50. And I was like, dude, let me read you this blurb. I didn't even tell (laughs) her what it was about. And and, as soon as I finished, she's like, they're older. I was like, I knew you would like that. She's like, oh, my God. She's a huge fantasy nerd. And she doesn't. She's like, "Me, she reads across the board, it doesn't matter, but it was like, I, I feel seen, like, you know, like she said, like they're still doing cool things and they're, you know, but it's also that's the joy of it, like, oh, my back hurts." <laughs> like, it made me laugh. I was like, "Yep, I just stretched the wrong way and I'm like, oh, can't move the rest of the day." Like, yeah, it's it's dumb. Yep. Getting old. <laughs> I wanted to say that the story's not over.
1: I mean, you grow up listening to so many fairy tales and watching so many stories where they get married and it's over, or you know, the they they peak really young. And I really wanted to say no, that's not it. Your your story is not done, not until you say it is.
0: Well, isn't that like, like life advice too? <laughs> like I think about yeah. that as like people who always say, and I I encountered this myself too, as someone who is middle aged, just like, oh my gosh, I am I too old for this now, or like, am I, you know. To whatever, like, and it's like, who are putting these preconceived ideas on my head that aren't even real things? And it's just like, it's never too late to have an adventure or fall in love or, you know, change your life or, you know, make choices, really.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the thing that runs through all of my books, as different as they all are, as different as, as the tone and the voice in the world are, is this thread of hope. And I I think that's what draws me to fantasy is that the way that fantasy can shout, you can do this. No, it's, it's a literature of empowerment. You know, it's saying that, look, these characters can survive this tremendously dramatic epic fantasy quest. You can go slay your dragons too. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Wow. That was, that is the message of empowerment through fantasy. I've never really thought about it like that, but a hundred percent truth.
1: I was gesturing emphatically. You can just like ima- 100%. <laughs> imagine percent gesturing emphatically. I feel that strongly about it. <laughs>
0: I feel like that feels like like some cross-stitch shit like on your pillow. Like that needs to go on like a bumper sticker or something like, because that I, I just kind of got goosebumps with that because isn't that, you know, I read for escapism, I think mainly, but you're right. I do get this sense of like, capability with people like like they're still even if they don't know they're they able to make it figure it out and make it through and you said do the hard things you know
1: right yeah that's why I think escapism is so important I mean people put it down as some like oh it's my guilty pleasure
0: or whatever I don't like that term I hate that no term.
1: what it, exactly what it's really doing is restoring you mm. it's giving you the strength to go back into the world, it's it's letting you leave it for a while in order to return more capable of coping than you were before.
0: Do you think a kind of leaning into that as someone who writes fantasy, like, do you feel and, and it's funny, like, your job is the creating and yet it, the creating is helping you feel more capable. And does it help you feel more like on days when you're like, Oh, I don't know. But it sounds like you're generally a happy writer. Like, I'm not gonna like You know, blanket every emotion, but you generally seem like it's pretty joyous for you. Which I, like I said, I don't think I get a lot of authors who are like, it's awesome all the time. You're they're normally like (laughs) slugging, like, oh, like I feel like I was talking to Jim Butcher about this, and I feel like I had remembered he had done a post. We're Facebook friends, and he was like, "Yep, book twenty seven sucks just as much as book one. It's just as hard to get this story out." And his books are incredible, and they're complicated, and they're wonderful. Mm -hmm. But he's like, he suffers. I think. (laughs) to burn them, you know, <laughs> like, I think it's like, oh my God, you know, so I'm, right. I'm curious too, especially now that you have so many, you know, you have over a decade of, of writing this way over under your belt. Like, is your system feel the same? Is it, do you ever need those boosts from yourself? Or do you feel like you've got it like a well-oiled machine at this point? <laughs>
1: my husband does threaten
0: to record his pep talks
1: because there's always a moment <laughs> in the book writing that I call the doomed stage where you've simply forgotten how to like do verbs, <laughs> and how to how to human basically. How to, yes, exactly. Like sentences must string together in some fashion. But the thing that that really helps of having written, you know, my entire life except for when I was five and wanted to be Wonder Woman is that I know I've done it before. And so much of writing is all about believing in yourself, trusting that you have a story inside you and that if you just sit here and keep moving your fingers on the keyboard for long enough, it will come out. Mm. There are definitely days where I know everything that I just wrote is going into that little sad drafts folder and will not be pasted into my final master document, but I also know that there's a certain number of terrible pages that need to be written to pay for the good pages, if that makes sense. 100%. Yeah. So I just, for me, anytime I experience writer's block, anytime I experience any any feeling of stuck in the plot, the cure is always to write more. I mean, that's honestly my solution to anything that goes on in my life at all. Write more and it will get better. Hmm. <laughs>
0: I feel like your husband's could be a book. I I already see it's like advice from a writer's husband, and it could just be like a little <laughs> like 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 a little gift book, you know, like little snippets of advice on the pages. like, this is true quotes from him pulling me out of my own head. Like, yeah, yeah.
1: You just have to. I, I actually I always listen to music when I write for mm. that exactly that reason because I feel like it distracts that little. You know, everybody's got that voice in the, the busy head, brain. That's negative. Yep. But I think my little negative voice likes to go sing along with song lyrics, so. I just, uh, and lately I've been turning on sea shanties, which are amazing to write to.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's funny. I, I feel like that's one of the reasons like why NaNoWriMo is so successful, honestly. Yes. Like it
1: forces you out of your head. Yes.
0: Like you can't be the critic cause you just have to get words on the page. doesn't matter. Yeah. There's yeah no time every time to think NaNoWriMo about
1: it. comes around, every time November, I'm like, Ooh, I should do that. And my husband's always like, Sarah, you do that every month. I
0: was like, this I'm is like, oh, what yeah, you do. <laughs> But I that, do. That's what I it reminds do. me of. It's like, you just don't, you don't let the critic, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's like overriding that, like you said, the inner critic, the inner voice. Have yeah. you ever read, or are you familiar with the artist's way? Have you heard of that by oh, Julia yeah. Cameron? Yeah, yeah. This is, I'm like a, I'm like a, a zealot, yeah, <laughs> an artist's I, way I, zealot. So that's kind of in her vein as well. Just the idea of like, you have to make bad art before you can make good art period.
1: Yes. I think that's absolutely, absolutely true. And I find, I mean, I know that write every day is like advice you hear bandied about and it mm. totally does not work for everybody. So I wouldn't say you must write every day. But for me personally, writing every day works really well for defeating the, the giantness of the task. I mean, that makes sense. Some, if you sit down and you're like, I'm going to write a novel that's totally intimidating but if every day you sit down and like i'm gonna write a paragraph i'm gonna write the scene this little bit of dialogue and then you do it the next day and the next day and the next day it doesn't become this mammoth monster that's trying to eat you anymore
0: i mean if you write a page a day that's a 365 page book that's a pretty damn big book exactly exactly
1: and there's bound to be something in there that you love and then I see the revision process as keeping the stuff you love and deleting everything that isn't that. <laughs>
0: mm. it's a, this looks like very good writer's advice episode. I was just like, I'm talking about The Bone Maker, but it's like so much more because it really, I, and this is really what I wanted to talk about too because like I said, I'm just very impressed by your your catalog of of. A variety Like I was just like Man Cause of of the books of yours That I haven't read I was like This sounds awesome This sounds I love middle grade So I'm like Oh my god These sound great Like this You know And like There's so many Interesting stories that you've told. And I, I just it's it's cool to hear kind of the the cohesive strings between how you create all of them. So yeah, and I, I just seriously, I have this book has been such a joy to read. And I want to say like, yeah, we've been talking about how the characters are like middle aged, like you don't have to be middle aged to read and enjoy this book. <laughs> like, yeah. if you are not my age, it's okay. Like you it is because it is it's, it's fascinating to see, like you said, the who these characters have become after in the after, like in the, after the, the end, like now what? So this is that story. And it is such an interesting exploration of, of, of the heroes, you know?
1: Yeah. I'm hoping that, you know, 18 year olds, 16 year olds that pick this up will feel reassured that they haven't already peaked.
0: (laughs) Right. Seriously. Or just, but just that idea of, yeah, like life isn't over and there are things that can still happen and adventures to be had forever, really. So, yeah,
1: yeah. And I think it, it, adventures are for everyone.
0: That is true. What are you working on now? Right now,
1: I am working on, well, I'm getting ready for Bone Maker coming out so soon, March 9th, yay. <laughs> and I'm working on my next book for kids. So, Even and Odd, which comes out in June is about two sisters who share magic on alternating days. Oh, and there's cool. also a unicorn named Jeremy.
0: That's <laughs> a great name for a unicorn. That's- <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. And it has as much
1: magic as I could possibly shove into a single book. I had a lot of fun with it.
0: Are you writing anything currently, right now? or?
1: Yes, I'm working on the kid's book that will come out a year from the spring. And that one has a, a talking squirrel as the main character. And... <laughs> Awesome. a whole lot of other talking animals I love they're talking rejected animals. familiars
0: oh what a cool idea oh my gosh see so that's what i'm saying like
1: that's awesome yeah. <laughs> it's been like, really fun i've also been you know looking out my window at the squirrels outside and calling it research so that's good too
0: you know if you can make lemonade out of a pandemic lemon you know why not <laughs> <laughs> i can't go anywhere i'm gonna watch the squirrels and write a book about them and there you go that's hey, fantastic hey, Are you reading at all? Are you, you said you're a pretty prolific reader. Do you read while you're writing? Are you keeping up on things?
1: It depends on what stage I'm at. If I'm developing a world and learning the voice of the characters and so forth, I tend not to read as much because I'm, I'm, my brain is kind of buzzing with, with, with that. And then there are other points where I find if I read a book, like if I'm deep into the editing stage and I read somebody else's book, I start editing it and that <laughs> takes away some of the joy and it's really upsetting you um, see all the
0: flaws like oh that sentence raw or whatever right? Like,
1: or you're even just like that's not how I would have done it yeah. and like that's and it's totally fine how this other author chose to do it just you know that part of my brain is chattering at me so I find I have to read during those windows where the story is chugging along Those <laughs> so there are windows where okay I get to devour some of the books on my, my stack
0: have you read anything good lately? Like in lately in like the past year, I well, guess? I
1: have. Yeah, I've actually okay, there's one series of books that I've literally read three times since the pandemic started. Oh my gosh. <laughs> They're so good. The Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. Amazing. I haven't read these. Oh, they are fantastic. The voice of the character who is this essentially a robot, although I'm not sure that's exactly how you define define them and <laughs> just all the snarky comments about humans it's I, I'm not describing it well but it is hilarious and amazing and I enjoy them they they instantly became my comfort food you know how some books are just like comfort reads mm-hmm. these and usually for me they're the books from my childhood but these just became it within first reading you know
0: wow uh, she's got ultra- a ton of books too I really like Martha Wells the stuff of hers I've read so
1: I ha these are the only ones of hers I've read. I should actually try the others since I clearly love these ones so
0: much. Yeah, she has some interesting—I don't know—just interesting worlds she's done. But yeah, that that I, I so it looks like the first ones all systems red. Yes,
1: yes, all systems red, and the first few are novellas, wow. so they're they're not not very long, which is lovely when you don't have a ton of time
0: and wow. you can just. Yeah, and Goodreads, which is usually pretty critical, that's like four and a half stars on 84,000 reviews. Like that's, right. I'm putting that on my to-do to read, especially because I don't read a lot of, eh, I read more like softer fantasy than I do like harder sounding sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, you you wouldn't think a book called
1: Murderbot would be charming, (laughs) but it's actually really charming. Oh my gosh, that's funny.
0: So that (laughs) sounds like a great read.
1: That's great. Oh, the other one I read that I got to the end and wanted to, and I just flipped back to the beginning because it was just beautiful is The House in the Cerulean
0: Sea. Oh my gosh, everybody is obsessed with this book. (laughs) I
1: loved it so much by T.J. Klune. Mm
0: And have you read it? I I, I feel guilty because I feel like I've talked about this the last like multiple interviews I've done. (laughs) Multiple People have said that I have I got an arc and I still haven't read it, but I I know I'm going to love it. I absolutely it is like 100 (laughs) percent the book that I know I'm going to love. And everyone's like it's like a warm hug. I love these characters. And they're so everyone is just like, oh, my God. And like everyone I know who's read it has given at least like four and a half out of five stars. Like they yeah. love it.
1: It's just, it's really sweet. Like it it really is. It's it's so like quirky and charming and just delightful.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I I think this is the universe speaking. like, dude, get together and read. it's hard. I interview authors every week and I'm really lucky in that I, you know, I get to kind of pick when I hear books are interesting. So I'm kind of, you know, I get to cultivate my list that way, but it's like. If I'm having an off week, like 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 I said to you even before we started, like I'm not 100% done with this book, and I was I had no reason not to be because you gave it to me early enough. But I always like to read right before the interviews, and then life happened and things happened. So sometimes I just run out of time, don't we all? Like you know, like you yeah. said, you have windows. We have windows of time. So, but I'm also like. Yeah, but did you really need to watch that K-drama till 6 a.m.? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's about choices, Sarah, as you said, but you know. May, maybe you uh, did. Maybe I you have did. no regrets about watching True Beauty recently. None whatsoever. <laughs> that K-drama was freaking amazing. And if anyone has not seen that K-drama and they like K-drama, watch True Beauty, it was mind-blowingly perfect. So <laughs> I yeah, loved it. That's- but that's what I mean. It's like, it's a choice. And I was like, well, I could watch 16... 16- almost two hour long episodes, or I could read some books and I'm like, no, I want some TV, (laughs) you know, like it's a choice. So I can't really just need different kinds of stories. I
1: mean, that that's, I think that's completely legit and totally (laughs) fine.
0: Yeah. It, it, but, but again, it's, that's, it's also the guilt talking because it's like TV's unacceptable, but breeding's okay. Even though like TV is wonderful storytelling, like you said. So yeah, um, it's just different. It's just different sides of the same coin really. And, and it is kind of escapist. That's again, why we like these stories. So, but no, those are supposed to sound like great recommendations. I mean, like I said, TJ's book, I know is going to be awesome, but like Martha Wells, I had not, I was not familiar with these. So. So much fun. Those are both great recommendations. Thanks. I have a friend who's really into your Renthia books. Are you ever going to revisit those worlds? She wanted me to ask you. She's like, is she ever going back to those? I was like, I don't know, dude. She's like, I know she's written a few, but. Yeah, I might. So these, this it started with my trilogy, The Queens of
1: Renthia. The first one's The Queen of Blood and then Reluctant Queen and then The Queen yeah. of Sorrow. And then I wrote The Deepest Blue, which can completely be read without reading the trilogy. But um, it's set in
0: the same world. So. It's set in
1: the same world, but just to the south of where the-, the original trilogy takes place on on these islands that are made yeah. from the bones of dead sea monsters leviathans
0: that's why she's obs- she's obsessed with world building like she's yeah. like i love world building she even messaged me she's like who do you know actually this is a good question for you since you read a lot do you know any do you have any like authors you've ever read whose world building feels like rich like yours does and you can talk about Renthia too since you might be revisiting obviously I asked you that first but that was her other question she was like asking me what have you read that feels like this because this is amazing I was like, like I'm gonna read her other books too but what about she was just like oh my gosh so excited you know
1: <laughs> I'd say Guy Gabriel Kay is a real master of, of spinning a world that just sucks you in and absorbs you and, and feels like it's just happening all around you one of my favorites by him is called Under Heaven and starts out with this man burying the bones after a war, and there are ghosts all around him, and he's just doing this task of burying the dead. And it's just mm. so atmospheric and, and lovely. I mean, it's, it's not like scary ghosts going to eat him. It's it's like a, a moving, I'm not describing this well, but it's beautiful. <laughs> and he also has Sailing to Serantium, which is a first one in a duology, that they're just really absorbing highly detailed portray, uh, portrayals of this slightly alternate history, sometimes ancient China, sometimes ancient Italy. I think the Serantium is is Byzantium. uh, eh, Byzantine. Byzantium. Byzantium. Did I say that right? I don't know if I said that right. Pretend I said that right. (laughs) Okay.
0: Close enough. It's fantasy world, but I got you. But no, you're saying you, because that's, I mean, she was just like, Like I said, I this this friend has just read these recently and it's just was an awe of your of your islands and your world building in general. And and so she was like, they're just so cool. So I I, so yeah, like I was wondering if you were going to revisit I mean, or if you were going to even maybe do them in a different kind of location, too, because you have interesting, like you said, varieties of locations in those world, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I that was the first book that I ever got to draw a map for. That oh, cool. for, and I was so excited, and after I drew that map, it's like, oh, what's going on with those islands over there? What's going on with those glaciers? I don't have any immediate plans to return the world, but I'm totally might someday. So mm. I, that's a big I don't know, but that could well, be
0: and <laughs> I mean, that is a world that you played in for a long time. So it you was. did. It- Yeah, it was really fun to,
1: I mean, as you had pointed out before, I do a lot of standalones. Yeah, It was really wonderful to sink into a world and then be able to build on it in the Mm -hmm. next book. It was really a satisfying thing that I, I, I loved writing the queen of blood so much and I didn't have to say goodbye.
0: Yeah, I was blanking on the title of that book after I had read it and I knew the second book had just come out or was coming out Mm -hmm. and I was like blanking and I couldn't remember and I was like describing it to a friend who I thought had recommended it to me and she hadn't luckily I found it I like went back through my good reads and found it but I was and she was like I don't know what this is but it sounds rad I was like yeah dude and then like the the, and she was like what are you talking about I was like you have no idea what I'm talking about she's like no I didn't tell you about this book but clearly I need to read it I was like yes you do (laughs) like she had no idea what I was talking about because I like I was blanking you know, like I said, I read a lot. So I was like, oh, I love that book. I know I know the next one's coming out around now. Like, what the heck was it called? And I like, totally anyways. So, yeah, it was, but like even your other books that I've read, it's just, yeah, you have a great a great writing, like your knack, your writing, your style is easy to read and it's enjoyable and it's immersive. So as much as it is fun to visit, familiar worlds and stay and get to play longer and the idea like I said it's it's a double-edged sword in the sense that like yeah you were there for a while so you want to move on but also you were there enough to like really put some deep roots in so it might be easy to jump back into it too you know what I mean
1: yeah definitely that for those books they grew out of a single idea of bloodthirsty nature spirits
0: yeah it's pretty great (laughs) the world as a character the way you have it is pretty great like they're they're actually you know I haven't read them in a while and with the enthusiasm of a new reader I was like oh I should read these again those are Mm -hmm. I think I did like half reading half audio so I may do audio this time which is always fun
1: the audiobook narrator did a wonderful job Christine Havam oh
0: that's good to know okay well then that makes that easier (laughs) (laughs) but no seriously we're here to talk about your upcoming stuff and and the bone maker has been like i said such a delight to read and i'm really glad we got to talk about this today this was really fun it was just mainly like craft and writing but i was just like i just feel the joy of what you of you loving what you do in this conversation and it's been so fun like on my end to be like wow she just is you know i'm i'm glad you're bringing these stories to us because clearly it makes you happy and then us as the reader we get to benefit from that you know
1: I really, I really do love it. And it's been so much fun talking with you about all of this. I mean, this is the thing that I am most passionate about, you know, (laughs) building worlds and creating stories and then getting to share them with people Mm -hmm. is, is such a gift. And I'm so, I, I think what I feel with the book coming out is grateful I got to play in this world, and now I get to invite other people in to share it with me. Mm -hmm. And I feel really grateful, and I feel really honored that people will spend their time getting to know these characters. And apologies if anything makes you cry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's, it's such a gift to be allowed into somebody else's heart and mind. And I really hope that readers enjoy their time spent in my world.
0: Well, and that's what's fun about creating is, you know, you're, you're birthing, it's a part of you, it's a part of your soul, and then you send it out into the world, and then it's not yours anymore, it's ours, yeah. it's everybody's, and we all get to experience it and, and enjoy it, which is so fun. So yeah, The Bone Maker, it is such an interesting premise and a fun thing to think about, and I'm really glad you chose to ask this question. So it's been a very enjoyable reading experience, Sarah.
1: So thanks. Well, thank you for reading. and. and-
0: yay, <laughs> yay. i really happy to hear <laughs> I'm glad thanks for listening guys we will be back next week with a new episode don't forget to check us out on Patreon at Inkfeather Books and support us there but for now this is Lauren and Sarah signing out saying bye bye thank you